I'm talking directly into the the microphone. I'm, yes. I'm concerned that I'm a little breathy and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable? Sure. I mean, I feel pretty comfortable. <laughs> <sighs> okay. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is James Mapes and I am here with Paul Susie and we are back for the board retreat episode four. Here we go. Boy. The background of this episode just beginning (laughs) is that we have spent an hour after a computer crashed attempting to begin recording this podcast. So, you know, I think it's important to be transparent about where we are at all stages in this process and sometimes technical issues come up too. Yeah. Uh, backup laptops for yeah. the win. Yeah. For we the live, win. We live in the real world. Yes. Yeah. This is what winning feels like. <laughs> so, uh, this is the board retreat. This is a podcast about creating a board game from scratch, everything being contained within this podcast. Uh, so we do as much as we can. We try not to do work outside of the podcast in terms of creating this game. Side effect means that it's a it's going to take a few episodes to make this game, but we are in it to continue. Yeah, and win it. Yeah, we're and in it other to win it. other rhyming things. I we're, think we're in it to win it. Yep. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's been a little while since we've recorded a podcast due to life circumstances that we'll get into a little bit more later. I mean, not like bad ones, not you know, yeah. but just work. Yeah. Uh, we took a little bit of a break, but meanwhile, we've also started releasing the podcast out into the wild. Yeah partially to light the fire to create new episodes i think yeah and it's Um, doing well it's like a colony that's spreading in the best sense of the term like terraforming colony absolutely not an imperialist colony yeah we're terraforming right now no it's good yeah it's really good um so i want to i want to catch up on that um gap of time a little bit later but for right now let's recap right let's recap so since I've listened to the episodes a little bit more recently than you have, I'm going to yeah. recap us, which is... Yes, please. Last time around, we threw all the spaghetti at the wall yes. in the in the quest to find the idea that pushes us forward. Right. And I think that, as an aside, I think we took a lot of time with those ideas um, and kind of working through a lot of different ideas before we started talking about like what the game is, what the mechanics are and stuff, just to be sure that we are landing on something that felt right, you know? As opposed to something we would get tired of right? a little way into the process. Right. And so I think out of the total 13 ideas, not counting a couple that we sloughed off. We came up with 13 ideas? Well, we had three old ones and 10 new ones. Yeah, we came up with... Yeah. That's insane. It's, we're insane. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we arrived at a, um, at a couple that we conglomerated together. Yeah. That felt very similar. They fell kind of under the same umbrella. Okay. And I think that they are strong for that reason, A. But what we ended up uh, arriving at, and this is the point that we have not talked about this beforehand because you're going to correct me if you have a different impression of this. Okay. We arrived at the idea of making a game that uh, is about gentle interactions, Uh sort of. Um, there may be orphans, an orphanage involved, 
or it may be more along the lines of rabbits like Watership Down. Oh. But uh, the idea being that, um, like, I think one of the core settings stories that we were putting forward was that there's a group of orphans in an orphanage who have to get through the night and they're trying to get sleep, but there are things, maybe a nightmare, a personified nightmare struggling against them, or maybe it's more, uh, uh, like the idea of cute and fuzzy creatures that have realistic agency, a little bit more like that. So I Mm. think, uh, is this sounding familiar? It's starting to. It's starting to. I'll we've, admit, it's been a minute. So we've lived a lot of life since we hashed out these ideas. Yeah, there's been there's been some there's been some action in the intervening time. So so I I'm it's the 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 fuzzy things that have more agency is starting to ring bells. But I have to admit, orphans dealing with nightmares personified sounds pretty amazing and is a little like I'm, I'm I'm delving into my memory banks which have apparently crashed almost as hard as our technological assets at this point um and and I'm not I'm not really coming up with with the coinage around that like tell me more about what what that idea well so was. I had the original idea it was the last one I chose to bring up because uh-huh. it was I was I was the biggest fan of it nice and I think that this is going to ring your bell Ooh, ring your bell. Well. Yeah. Uh, I tried to set it on a sailing ship Ah, to interest uh, you. Uh-huh. And yeah, then you yeah, were yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think it's a little blatant that you're shoehorning a sailing ship in. <laughs> and I said, sure. What if it's just an orphanage? And then the word Dickensian came up. And right. then... Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That is ringing bells. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Bells of mine are being rung. Yes. <laughs> yes. Got it. So, uh, you know, not to, not to pull us around too much, but I think that, uh, it is, it is important as part of a creative process. Stephen King himself, we brought up on writing already says, once you write a first draft, stick it in a drawer for six months, then take it out and see what it is. Ah. So I think that's literally what we're doing. Yeah. Because as background, it has been five months since we've recorded a podcast. Yeah. And, uh, part of that is Paul Susie. You started working on at your overnight shelter and didn't yes. have a whole lot of time. I also got really busy with my work and had right. to travel a lot with my work. Um, and so hiatus is the wrong term when you've only done three episodes of a podcast. But right. Uh, right. we are we are there was a there reorganizing were, now. Yeah, there was a mid season break. Yeah, there was a mid season break. Um, and so we come back from this mid season break and we have said we are not doing a, a game about the Supreme Court. No. We are doing a game that, and I think specifically uh, the thing that you brought to the table um, was that we wanted to steer away from sort of heteronormative male uh, interactions like combat and fighting and sure. and, and yeah. even to an extent, I think, building yeah. Um, yeah. and more into kind of collaborative problem solving. Right. I mean, not to say like, I think that when I say that out loud, it sounds kind of like a puzzle thing and i don't think that either of us are thinking about it quite that way right but i think well we'll discover what we think yeah i shouldn't speak for you well i do remember saying one of the things that i hold on to from the first three episodes that are um uh, an admittedly fuzzy memory because i am not as up to speed as james is at this point is um is a a sense of the the uh, a tactile 
quality to this game that um, has the quality of like watchmaking gears being put together while we're playing the game. And I don't necessarily mean that literally. Yeah, sure. But that 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 sense of constant epiphany and and I want to I want to find a quality of constant epiphany. Yeah, I think that's interesting because uh um as I have been thinking about the point that we arrived at in episode three, mm. um, which is interesting because, you know, in the moment it feels one way, but having, because between the two of us, I'm the one who does the the editing and the yes. preparing it to go on iTunes do all and the stuff work. like that. Yeah. Not all the work. Let's not say all the work, but yeah, I do, do the, all the work. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, in listening in to it again too. and just like looking at the time codes mm. of like, I mean, we spent an hour and a half uh, discussing 10 different ideas plus the three that we already had. Mm -hmm. And only in the last like literally nine minutes do we kind of like settle on something that sounds good. And so one of the key questions, I think, five months later, six months later, is whether we settled because of time pressure or whether we settled because it was something good or whether we settled because of both or like mm -hmm. what what do we retain, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. What I have found in my just very soft, trying not to do too much work outside of the podcast where it's not public, what I have found is um, I want to create a game that unfolds as it goes along. Mm. And part of that is just knowing how I want to play games with other people, which is that I don't want to read an entire manual and watch a tutorial video and then educate everybody and then play a test round and then say, okay, great. We're finally ready to like start a game. I mean, I do, yeah. I do do that. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's a beautiful version of a game, I think where you start and then you're adding elements as the thing progresses. And if people are playing the game for the first time, they can kind of, you can just kind of jump in. Yeah. And like there's yeah. explanation as it goes along, but it's going along already. Right. And so that kind of amorphous uh, mechanical construct as part of the game, I think has a, has a lot of interest and value in it. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that those games, and this veers into left field a little bit, so cut me off, but... You're cut off. Oh, wait, no. You were going to talk first. Thank you. The um, That thing that happens when you're the only one who has read the manual or you're the only one who has watched the t bothered to watch the tutorials and don't do the research on this game that is could be really compelling but is frankly a little obscure at first pass, right? Um, that's a thing, that's a dynamic that I recognize from like interpersonal real life experiences where um, as someone who uh, uh, tends to have this reputation of knowing the answers or having opinions, uh, friends and even just acquaintances often ask me for answers. And as a, just as a person, as a human, I, I, I'm starting to have this reaction to that in my day-to-day -day life of like, no, stop asking me questions. Let's figure it out together. Uh -huh. I'm not a walking Wikipedia. And oftentimes when I'm forced into that role, I'm terrible at it. Um, so that's me editorializing. But I think that that's a really interesting thing. 
Paul, can you recount for me the campaigns of Alexander the Great in chronological order, though? Because I was curious about that earlier today, <laughs> and I mean, I could open Wikipedia. Oh my goodness! Did you know that I'm reading Arian right now? Arian's campaigns of Alexander. Dog, you literally brought it up five months ago on the podcast. <laughs> So, yes, I did know that. And oh, I think it says something shit. that you're still reading. Or are you rereading it? I am rereading it. Oh, That's geez. Yeah. Uh, and just like that, I have to put it in the bibliography again. And I thought I was done with you, Arian. <laughs> I thought I was done. Uh, I see. I see. Uh, yeah. So, um, I find, and I think that this is, this is a fascinating episode because of the time skip, because mm. of the, like... I mean, literally, literally, we said we were committing the last episode, and now we're like, <laughs> and now we're a little amorphous about what we're committing to. But I think that right. we did commit, and I yeah. think that resurrecting, like reconstructing, is a better yeah. word. I think what we committed to. I think that that that's an important part of yes. the process. And then, I mean, we'll still make whatever we want to make. Like we're we're not tying ourselves down. But I think yeah. having a direction at this point is the right thing to do. Agreed. So, what's our direction? Orphanage. Yes. Great. Orphanage sounds really compelling. Cool. So I'm going to drizzle in a couple of other elements that uh, may or may not have been said. I actually don't remember what of what of this has occurred in the podcast and what has occurred in the brain, in Great. my brain. I think some of it was brought up last time around. But something to do with like either the course of the night, like you're, you're playing through the night, like a time element, I guess uh -huh, is what I'm saying. Uh -huh. Like, so it goes through time and different things come in over time as maybe the night gets deeper mm. sorry i'm synthesizing a little bit based on what we were talking about earlier and also having trouble speaking mm -hmm. um i had originally i think said something about a day and night thing maybe it makes more sense for a night for just a night uh trickled in there is also like the idea that i was having trouble putting my daughter to sleep and like how that kind of informs because you don't you don't go into combat against your right. child, even though it feels like it sometimes. Like you find ways, you know, <laughs> sure, you, you sure, get a rhythm sure. together. Um, but then also this idea that everyone would be on a team except one person who is maybe playing the nightmare. Oh my. See, you liked it oh before my. and now you're liking it again. Yeah, that's really, yeah, that's, yeah. I And I'm remembering, yeah, okay. I'm catching up in my own internal memory banks of conversation we had around this. Yes. Yes. I really like all of this. I don't think day should be, should be taken out of the equation. I think night and day is, oh, okay. an, interesting. is an interesting. Yeah. Because uh, whether it's a, a variable that enters in at some point during gameplay that like you've lost track of time. Now we're in a new condition. Interesting. Or it's a uh, like, certain things have to be accomplished only at night certain things only have to have to be accomplished only at day and if you don't fulfill those things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you go into another cycle yeah interesting so i think uh i think that's in the mix um i think uh lots of different characters playable characters uh representing different plucky orphans right i think is in the mix right. i think that that, that is a good ground to till plucky orphans uh creative creatively um uh i think that i think that should be our prototype working title plucky uh, orphans yeah plucky, plucky orphans, orphans save the day yeah yeah okay uh <laughs> save the night 
Uh, Save the Night sounds like an 80s pop song. A one-hit wonder by the Plucky Orphans. Isn't that like a... Uh, no, it's Save Tonight. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, about yeah. to hum it, but no one wants that. <laughs> um, wow. Now I just have that song stuck in my head. Yeah, and it's driven yeah, out me all. too. Oh, I'm dear. Tap back to my notes over here. Um, okay, so I think that that was the recap. Uh, <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I wanted to do with this episode, this is this is my overall master plan. Okay. Are you ready for this? Yeah. I want to spend today talking about the hook of our game. Like mm-hmm. and and this is this is a bedeviling thing and this is why people get marketing degrees, right? Is when people ask you what you're working on, you have the single sentence. Right. And they understand the full entirety of your project. So right. Right, right. No pressure there. Right. But I think I think being able to distill it down so that in future recap, like I think that this is the right way to frame it. In future recaps, we say, great, we are the board working retreat. On the game. We're working on the game. It is X. Right. By Y, by Z. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Well, already with just this setup, there's a little bit of like playing with tropes of horror movie or horror mm-hmm. story fantasy mm-hmm. horror fantasy stories right where you're it's orphans versus a nightmare yes so i mean so that's like a that's like a billion movies right and so what differentiates how is how is this not a di- or is this a direct confrontation between the nightmare versus the orphans that's interesting i can only go back to the the source text, the canonical uh-huh. text of the third episode. Yes. Um, which is to say, I think one of the things that was fascinating was not that you, the idea that you're not battling the nightmare, that no one is yeah. like raising the weapon or finding the enchanted flashlight and nice. driving back the darkness, but that you're just coexisting, but sure. you're also trying to get a full night's sleep. Oh, everybody's just trying to get a full night's sleep. You are, I am. It's a struggle. Yeah. This is speaking to me personally. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. that that's, that's interesting. It's, um, I wanted to jump in on, you were talking about movie tropes, and I think that that's absolutely true. I don't think that, I think that there's a lot of material out there that we're drawing from. Yeah. Have you seen Cabin in the Woods? No, I haven't. So it's a it's a great movie. The thing that I'm thinking of specifically is is far departed from the actual plot of the movie. Yeah, which is uh, there's just this shot of this like, I mean, trope is the right word of this like s- this classroom of Japanese schoolgirls, like you know, like eight years oh, old God. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and they're all like they've all come together to do a chant to drive back a demonic force that's like. Uh, a stereotypically anime sure trying to take over the school and then take over the world but they've like found the power of friendship and they're resisting it together yeah, and I'm sure. like and it has very little to do with the movie it's like a side note yeah. um, related yeah. to the main conflict which is American style horror tropes yes um, but like now I kind of want to make that game <laughs> no I mean really like the 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 school children use the power of friendship to drive back the darkness a little bit I don't yeah. know yeah. So that's the image that's in my head for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, but if even the nightmare is just trying to get a full night's sleep. Like if 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 there's something in in our game, in this game. Yeah, yeah. 
if there's something driving the uh, every character and what if okay i'm just going off on a tangent go what go if tangent what if the status of nightmare is not fixed that every orphan could potentially be in nightmare and spreading the nightmare to others oh that's interesting and you know someone starts out with that status mm-hmm. um but even if you are under that nightmare condition all you're trying to do is get a full night's sleep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the nightmare condition is complicating it to the point where you're you're expending certain whatever certain quantities of energy or certain uh certain hours mm-hmm. just experiencing the nightmare and and the more hours you experience the nightmare the more likely you are to spread it to the cot next to you that's interesting that's like uh you're you're balancing like positivity and negativity in right. each in each character and right that's interesting right and the more hours you experience a nightmare the less hours of true sleep you're getting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's table that for a little while. Yeah. Um, cool. So I wanted to take a quick break and talk about something that happened in the last six months. Yeah. Is it six months or is it five months? October? Well, I feel like we the last recording was in November. Okay. Is that true? Maybe early November. Early November. Okay. And this is, is a pedantic point that I should move on from. This is now late April. Okay. So, like, we're on the cusp of May. So, it's six months. Six months. This feels neater anyway. Yeah. So, I had a cool opportunity um, that I took and that I will continue to take, um, which is that I worked on a show, uh, the TBA Festival from Pika. Thank you again for your mic stands. Uh, <laughs> still in my basement. Um <laughs> And in it, I worked with this this guy who was also in a, a arts program at Portland State University, and he runs an arts program or helps with an arts program at a local minimum security prison. And I'm going to not use specific uh, names of things, but um, just to kind of protect the anonymity of people, I think. Um, but I was talking to him about board games. I showed him the board game that I made. I think we may have even talked a little bit about this podcast, et cetera, et cetera. And then a few months later, maybe four, maybe five months after that, I worked on that project with him. He emailed me and let me know that he had incorporated board games into the art class that he was teaching in a prison. Wow. And so he was having, in addition to other things that they do, like play music and and stuff like that, he was making a board game with the prisoners um, about their their experience. Wow. Um, And so he brought me in to to the prison and I, you know, I like brought one of my games and the guard went through it and was like, you're bringing this in and and like totally nonplussed. I was like, what does it take for you guys? Uh, it's a cool game. (laughs) Uh, ask me about it. Copies available. Um, and so I went in and I talked a little bit about like the process and then we talked about their game and then we like, we worked with it a little bit and it was like early prototype stage. Um, which is great. Like, early prototype stage my god but in the discussion which was definitely led by these psu arts master's students i believe cool um it was like the question came up of why a board game Mm. and i thought that was interesting because we have asked that question of ourselves yeah and 
the answer was a little fascinating because it wasn't like this is the truest conduit of art. It was like, this is a way for people to experience something as opposed to just read it or hear it. It's like if you're, and specifically the thing that the prisoners making this game wanted to come across was all of the little indignities and inhumanities that are inflicted on them yeah. because of their status as prisoners. Yeah. Even after they, they serve their time, I think. Yeah. Um, and to them, it made natural sense to put people through that a little bit, yeah. even if only for an hour or two or something. Sure. And then there was a really fascinating additional point, which was they thought that a board game would slip by the censors huh. a little bit better huh. Huh. once they were like going back and forth, that they would be able to get more of the truth out there sure. in a board game that has all these like different components and materials and like who's going to read every card in the Monopoly-esque style right. chance deck, you know, um, as opposed to like a short story. right. And I thought that was fascinating because it kind of keys into the fact that board games aren't considered to be serious, a serious mm. artistic endeavor. Mm. Um, so I thought that was kind of just a fascinating thing to think about. Yeah, yeah. And, well, it's and it's it's also really interesting that, I mean, I was just, I, I'm I'm reading uh, SPQR by Mary Beard, which is I thought you were reading Arian. I'm. Yes, well, that was a reread, but I'm reread. <laughs> I am reading Mary Beard's history for like for the first time, okay. and uh, she talks about you know she takes a deep dive at at Rome, and and uh, there's archaeological evidence of board games that were super popular throughout the empire, so much so that people would carve the board game into like temple steps and market steps. But nobody knows how this game actually works because all that has survived is this pattern that is carved onto a step. Right, and yeah. it's consistent in Rome as it is in Marseille, as it is in Carthage, as it is in Athens. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's all over the empire. It's super popular. And they're like little local variations of it because there's a, there's a letter sequence that is often like locally... Locally... Uh, 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 sort of coded and, mm-hmm. and it like says silly things like, you know, James is an ass, you know, and you, your, your piece, the, 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 the most that scholars can figure out. I just want to, it didn't actually, it said James Mapes is an ass. Oh geez. In, in Latin. <laughs> I got to read more history. It would have helped me out a lot. And the, the most that scholars can figure out is that your piece is supposed to move in sequence through the letters. But that's all we can figure out. We don't know if there's dice. We don't know if, like, and if there were levels, how many times do you do the circuit? Do you go backwards? Are there other words that are spelled? There's like a code. Who knows? You know, I haven't, I haven't heard about the Roman example, but I, I've heard of two other examples of, there's a, um, I actually have a copy of, I mean a copy, but like a, a, a descendant of a game that the Vikings played in like, yeah. 10th century AD or something. Yes. And no one knows the exact rules, but because we've, I mean, archaeological evidence has survived a little bit better. Right. Um, like, pretty sure we know the rules and it like kind of resembles chess, except there's a more specific arrangement of yeah. the pieces and like one's the invader and one's the defender. And it's super cool. Uh, I don't remember the the Norse name for it. it. The box just says the Viking game. And then also I just Badass. saw that there's this guy whose entire career, he's a historian and a curator in a museum. Um, and I'll put 
a link to this information in the show notes. Uh, his whole career has been trying to reconstruct. He has spent much time trying to reconstruct these two Egyptian board games. Uh, yeah. yeah. That is the same sort of deal where it's like the yeah. rules have not survived. P- bits and pieces have survived. Right. It makes sense that you would need this thing to move this way. But, right. you know, yeah, right. I think it's super fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And so to to loop it back to the prisoners, mm-hmm. yeah. I I think that there's something um there's there's something wonderful about that subversiveness that the code is privileged information. And you get this code only by sharing this experience firsthand with these guys or by being appropriately initiated because you you know, you bought the game, you read the the thing. I'm now contradicting myself from earlier but like <laughs> there's something beautiful about how how games can be codes and and ways of uh of communicating and connecting with people across time and space so it doesn't matter that you've never been a prisoner you can now relate to an aspect of their creativity and their experience of life through supporting their game totally that's really really cool and I think it's so strong, their specific goals of like, we want you to feel a little bit of the injustice we feel yeah. when like yeah. a guard swipes the thing that someone sent to me in a package, right. you know, like right. that kind of stuff. I mean, not like n- no one trying to say that we are, we are innocents who shouldn't right. be in here necessarily, like not with that purpose, but like right. the, we are humans. This is how we feel. This right. is how, this is what it's like to be in our shoes. And that I, I really do think that a, a, a game that you play with other people socially right. Right. is the right vehicle for that. Yeah, totally. You know? Totally. I, I'm excited to check in with them more. That's so it's cool. coming up. Yeah. You know, my, my uh, Shakespeare company is going to be doing performances in a couple of prisons this summer, too. Yeah. That's, that's really exciting. That's feel good, in a way. Um, so honing in on something that you said of... of right in there of, of people feeling, uh, uh, all of that sort of stuff through the experiential aspect of a board game. So I think the thing that I want to talk about in this episode, think about, not talk about is, um, what do we want people to feel when they play our game? Right. And this is tied up in these like very philosophical questions of what is a game and stuff like that. But I think, uh, because we could spend 10 hours talking about that. I think it's more useful to think about uh, how do we sit people down, give them a fun experience, but then also twist things a little bit, Yeah, you know, and, and just assuming that we're going to do that. Cause I think that we both have that in us a little bit. Yeah. Totally. Um, and so when people ask us, what game are you guys going to make? Mm-hmm. Have you figured it out yet? What do we say? You know, um, uh, I I go back to that that thing you mentioned uh, about sleep, and about I think I think that the I think that the the magic sweet spot is in there. Mm-hmm. This is about making this thing about sleep deprivation, which I've also experienced. Um, be how do we how do we turn this into a into a, a an experience that makes sense in a game setting, and B an experience that conveys what it's like for us personally, but in a heightened, you know, in through a heightened filter. 
mm-hmm. a storytelling filter essentially as what games can be. Um, and then, you know, tie up the loose ends so that the thing works mechanically. Right. But uh, but we're we're fighting we're fighting this common enemy, which is sleep deprivation and or this nightmare thing that is happening. This added dimension of the nightmare, which could be really magical too. Uh, and time. Uh, so we're we're building a game that is about um, however many players. We're all orphans. Well, surely five. Five, right. Right, right. Oh my God, we said that. Yes, okay, great. Five orphans in an orphanage <laughs> trying to survive, trying to just just get enough sleep and not not go down a nightmare path. Cool. Um, I think so too. I think I think five orphans. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm gonna take a second to think out loud. Um, yes, which is that like you can have the night nightmare internally, you can have it like the pipes clanking and the cat howling outside, and the like. Just the environment mm. is kind of your. Mm. Not even enemy, but it's what you're you're up against, and like yeah. So I'm kind of fascinated by this idea of like, what if the environment is actively conspiring against you, right? And you have to conspire back, right, right. Um, and how do you do that? How do yeah. you yeah. how do you protect one and and do take the actions to save the other? But I think you're right that it's it's something about it over the course of a night, a single night. Or, or through time yeah. um, and that sort of a, yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think feeling, I think this like tension, when I think about like the tension that wants to be curated by this game in people, like collaborative games, I think often have a, have a lot of tension in them as you're like yeah. stampeding for the end and you're like, are we going to make it? Are we going to make it together? Are we going to yeah. like fall just flat of the finish line? Um, and I think about, uh, that tension, not as a constant thing. I think that maybe it is a good idea to have it go in cycles of days and night, because then it's like, we make it through the night yeah. and then we have a little bit of, we have the day, you yeah. know, we're doing, we're doing a couple things sure. and maybe in the actual game, it's just a couple, it's just an action. Like everyone right. is like, okay, today I'm going to do this chore. I'm going to fix the clanking pipe. I'm going right. to do the, you know, whatever that is. Right. And I can feel myself kind of pushing towards the kind of like actions that you would take in game. Um, and then the night starts and the night, just in terms of the time it takes people to play the game, the yeah. night takes longer. It takes, yeah. you know, many, yeah. many actions and things happen during it. But that sort of like ramp up and then release and then ramp up and we made it through another night. Like that mm-hmm. actually feels really strong. I didn't come into this episode thinking that, but mm. but the mm. more I think about it, maybe that's... yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe there's maybe there's a cap of like maybe I mean in collaborative fashion, collaborative play fashion, you pre you predetermine how many nights are we going to experience together. And then that is that is the length of play. Yeah, interesting. Um I think that so there's there's something really beautiful and poignant and potentially dangerous about taking the story of orphanage, the experience of being an orphan, which is a real experience in our Absolutely. real world, yeah. right? And we want to be 
you know, we would, I, I should hope that we would want to be, of course we would want to be sensitive to uh, the real experiences that folks are having and have had uh, around uh, the foster system of our culture right now, right? Yeah. And also, uh, this is a game which is uh, a conceit and there's something really magical about the potential uh, about our imaginations actively working on this conceit mm -hmm. to use this as a vehicle to tell not the story of being an orphan, but a, a story of, of, of human experience and a, a specific feeling that we, the creators of the game, are trying to capture uh, as well as uh, explode and have fun with. Yeah, that's um, interesting. Uh, and I think that's true. I mean, I think, you know, I, I wondered out loud in episode three when this first right, came up, right, like whether right. it was a little Dickensian. And I think that, I think that it's true that there's a certain leaning into style yeah. that could accomplish a little bit of that distance. So it doesn't feel like we're, we're abusing anyone's right. life experiences in like full realistic fashion. I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think Stranger Things is a good example, and I think that that's informing some of the stuff. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, in terms of just, you know, a group of children doing otherworldly right. sorts of things. Um, uh, but that, that trope, I think tapping into that trope and, like, the everyone has a characteristic yeah, yeah, yeah. something about them, you know? Yeah. And kind of keeping it in that, that fun, childlike world. Sure. I think is the key there to, to avoiding some of those larger sure. questions. Sure. That don't seem especially solvable by a, a game about right. sleep and right. nightmares. Right. Um, am I writing things off, though? I mean, does that sound like... No, I think I that that's right. Evading. Um, no, I think that that's right. And I, and I think that the key there is, once again, I mean, you hit it, that it's we're, what we're really... The, the driving piece of this is not the fact that every character is an orphan. The driving piece of this is that everybody needs sleep. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that it's really just a vehicle to get yeah. non-adults in the same, right. it, to, to get them working together, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it's a leveling thing. Yeah, more Madeline. Right. <laughs> two straight lines. <laughs> they're not, yeah, oh. they're interesting books. Yeah, yeah We've yeah. gotten some from the library. Uh, <laughs> well, it's interesting because I assume that they were written in French because they don't rhyme very well. No, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I played the strong man in Madeline and the Gypsies at Northwest Children's. Oh, God. It was one of my favorite, favorite shows. One of the things I love about doing this podcast with you, Paul Susi, is <laughs> how in like 10 seconds we're all of a sudden in an entirely different world. <laughs> and that's a good example of that just happening. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that that, I think that, uh, yeah, I think... And I think we, I think the 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 kids who are kind of stepping above and beyond yeah. what they should be able to step, what they should be stepping up toward, yeah, is is one of the keys. Like there, uh, no one is in the real world. No one is expecting children to team up together to fight off the supernatural terrors, right? Like right. But as kids, or as reading kids' books right. or something, that is what you do. You you know that you have to do that. Right. 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 You know. Adults cannot solve the problem because they don't understand the problem and they right. don't see the problem. Right. Or Dumbledore dies before solving the thing. 
So yeah, yeah, it was such a bad book. Someone was trying to tell me that the other book. Anyway, whoa. <laughs> Speaking of other places to go, God, I hated the sixth one. <sighs> but I, I I hated and I loved it. Though. Do you know that I still have in my brain the thing that people were saying on like Facebook right as Facebook came out, or at oh. least my early experiences of Facebook, people would just post page six oh six first line, and the first line of page six oh six is Snape kills Dumbledore. Or uh, like Harry is yelling, like Snape killed Dumbledore, and so people would be like, "Just go to go to page six oh six before you read the book." And oh then it's like, God! Of the like American Scholastic Inc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardback or whatever. Yeah. You know that people were buying on day one. Oh, I was, I was there. I was there in line at the Hawthorne Powells, standing oh, in line, um, and I was. It was like all the way around the block. I remember this, and like jackasses were running out of the out of Hawthorne Powell's yelling at the rest of the line, Dumbledore dies. And you're like, Jesus. And, and my faith in humanity collapsed a little bit that day. This explains a lot of things about your life, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you talking about? Um, okay, so I want to lay out a little bit of structure for, for the episodes that we're going to go forward. Right. I think that... Um, I guess I was going to talk about this at the end. I have very amorphous show notes. Just right. it's literally five sentences. Um, but I think that we're going to make an effort to keep these under an hour because awesome. I think that's a little bit more digestible than the sure. hour 40 minutes that we've been running. But yeah, totally. I mean, just back off, dude. It's just true. back off. It's fair. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, as much as I love talking about Heinlein, <laughs> Because I love talking about Heinlein. But wait. And also our DNA group. Let me detail the campaigns of Alexander in chronological No, I just looked it up on Wikipedia. You don't even need to. Okay, good. Great. Uh, Also, we haven't played D&D at all lately, so no worries there. Oh, wow. Run time. a whole phase that disappeared. Well, it disappeared for some of us. Um, (laughs) So what I want to do next is, uh, you know... We've taken this moment to kind of recapture what we came to in episode three and kind of push it forward a little bit. And I think get on the same page because I think over the last months we've, we've not been on the same page about exactly where we are. So I think that that's all good. I think the next step is to start refining the, the hook into the game and then also like what the structure and mechanics are. Right. Because we've talked about a lot of different things right. in terms of like what the players are playing, how the game takes place, are there turn you know, like, sure. and we haven't even started talking about some of that stuff. Sure, sure, sure. But I think... Well, we have. We've started like... Yeah, We've yeah. started like teasing out, you know, night and day structures. And I think teasing is the right words of like, I mean, we can, we can spitball ideas about... That's what these strength. orphans are doing yeah. for until something comes home. Yeah. Like cow, what, uh, what comes home <laughs> until the orphans come home. Oh, yeah. that was oh. weird. Oh boy. Uh, but I think that, oh. I think that's starting to put it into the, like the physical structure of the game. Um, I've come to a realization yeah. that one of the things I like about designing board games is that you reach this creative point where you're yeah. like, Oh great. What does it look like when someone opens up the box? Right. Right. What does it look like when someone starts to learn the rules? Yep. Um, yep. And I think that that stage is something that isn't like present in writing fiction or, or yeah. some other creative endeavors where it's like, am yeah. I done now? No, it's specifically tactile. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. tactile in a way that has to make mechanical sense. And so I think even getting a a start on what sounds good for that sure. is the next step. Great, great. So. Yeah. 
so yeah so i think that that and i think we can we can start that today do you want to start that today i'll turn that around into a question do you want to start that today we can absolutely let's do it yes yes okay cool so i guess uh from my perspective, the first question that I ask you is, is it a turn-based game? Mm-hmm. Let me compare and contrast for one second. Okay. So, a turn-based game, let's just imagine risk. Sure. Player A takes their turn. Player yes. B takes their turn. Player C takes their turn. Right. Maybe, as in the case of some games, after everyone has taken a turn, there's like another thing that happens. Right. Like... This is often true in collaborative games right. where like people take their turn and then the nemesis puts enemy pieces on the right. board, you know, something like that. And then we all have to respond within the turn. Yeah, totally. Another example is there are games out there that use real time kind of as quick as you can do them. A lot of dice games, like yeah. games where you're rolling dice and trying to come up with the right thing or escape right. the temple as it's collapsing. I think literally escape the temple is the name of the game that I'm thinking of. I'll look it up later. Um, or some mixture of the two. Uh, real-time games, it's true that real-time games are a little rarer in board games. Yeah. Um, it is also true that as we're talking about, it's something to keep in mind as we're talking about this like time-based yeah. idea, because that is where kind of not doing it turn-based shines, where you have a definite structure of like the night lasts five minutes, there's a soundtrack that plays for five minutes and you can take a certain number of actions or something. I don't know. Um, Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, what do you think? Yeah. Well, and I mean that, and time-based opens up like, you know, things like Pictionary and even charades where, you know, there's a little hourglass that you turn and everybody's shouting until the hourglass is done. Um, I think that we have, one one of the core pieces we have so far is this sense of time based in the in the sense that we have to get a full night's sleep. Mm-hmm. You have to get whether it's counters or it's um, some kind of quantifiable. Maybe it is time based. Something uh, that is a, a condition that is set uh, for you to to survive the game. Or, mm-hmm. or to achieve the game, um, I think that I think that that is. I mean, it's 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 really easy for us to go turn based on that, you know, where like yeah, everybody so responds too. to a specific circumstance in turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question really is: Is there a reason we should be looking outside of that box? Yeah, yeah, totally. And maybe that's a question that we think about. Uh, and that's kind of the key question is, is, are we each taking into, is each a, let's lay out some assumptions is each player playing a single character. Right. And B, are they each taking turns one after the other? Right. So I think the answer to the first question is yes. Okay. Um, I have no reason to disagree. Mm-hmm. I think that the answer to the second question is contingent on the nature of the nightmare. Yeah, interesting. Um, I do think... So I've just played Space Alert, which is a fantastic game. Yeah. Uh, And it was also, I think, the genesis of the, like, not wanting to front load the rules and stuff Mm. as much because that was 
that was definitely the like I see. You guys get a drink, I'm gonna read the manual for half an hour. I see. And figure it out. Okay, maybe we know enough to do a test game. Um I see. And that is a that is a real ish time game. But like everything is just kind of happening all at once and it's very stressful. Um Oh god. So I do think that turn based gives you the opportunity to to puzzle things out a little bit with right. your compatriots. Right. Um which has its dark side too, you know. I mean, one of the things we talked about, we have talked about in the past, is is one person in a collaborative ish game yeah. kind of dominating the the actions of people. Yeah. Um. So I don't necessarily have an answer. I'm just putting more things into the hopper. Oh, but oh, what if what if this is not a full answer to the question? Yeah, of course. But what if part of it is we in play, we the orphans can collaborate. Mm-hmm. But it literally means us staying up to talk shit out. It costs us sleep to talk about this is how the nightmare works. So please remember to do the X yeah, yeah, yeah. so that Y doesn't happen. So it's not it's not a true turn, but it has some of the characteristics of a turn being taken where a player needs to formally say, okay, I'm going to wake everybody up and talk about this. Yeah. It's interesting because as you're talking about it, kind of the structure that's coming into my mind is like at the start of the night, there are X things going wrong. Yes. And there, and the nightmare is like impacting everybody in yes. these num this number of ways, like solve them as quickly as you can. And yes. whenever you solve them all, then you can go to sleep. Yes. Or like maybe it's like individual, like yeah. George, you can go to sleep early. We're going to deal with that thing over there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then at the kind of, once you get everything solved, you like tally it up, go through the day. Yeah. And then you arrive in another night with this like precondition of like, yep. you know, player A got this much sleep. Player B got this much. Player C is doing not so good. So yep. something happens to them. Yep. Or they become yep. the and like and they become the nightmare like you know something like that like the player who got the least amount of sleep becomes the nightmare right that's all that's all interesting to think about right. right I think it definitely lends itself to like a turn based thing right yeah but I think I think it's turn based it's turn based in in a way that is not necessarily married to time married to the character's experience of time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that because it, it this also opens the door to like sleep is the primary thing but maybe there's also like hunger and warmth or you know other lesser things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that have an influence on sleep in the same way that nightmare does it just happens to be that nightmare is the the dominant is a dominant dynamic and possibly a thing of its own mm-hmm. um so so everybody gets to check in on sort of their basic needs. And my basic needs are on, I'm just making this up, but like on a scale of one to five, I've had one sleep, four food, and two warmth. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, like everybody has their own threshold for how prone they are to nightmare. And if I'm under certain certain levels... Um, I'm more susceptible to nightmare. And if nightmare is happening to me, then I increase the likelihood of nightmare happening to anybody else Mm -hmm. around me. 
Yeah. Do you have something more? No, I'm I'm just making it up as I go along. I, I think that's what creativity is. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um no, I think that that's strong in terms of just that like resource management idea. Right. Of of any kind of non-traditional resources that can be screwed with. You know, right. it's not right. it's not gold yeah. that you have in your wallet. Yeah, exactly. It's something that can be manipulated by the game as well. Yeah, exactly. And thematically and like as part of a story. I mean, I think that that's that's yeah. the important part of it is that it's all kind of fitting together into this narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes mechanical sense. Um and yet it's still arbitrary enough that we can sort of mess with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So next episode, we'll arrive at a little bit more of a concrete yeah. direction towards a first prototype. Oh, we got this. Look yeah. at all this. Oh, look at all this progress. Oh, my God. Yeah. Took us only six months to get to this. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. It's That's been amazing. great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to say that I'm excited that we're still ah. having having rediscovered this idea. Yeah. Uh I'm excited that we're still kind of kind of down to do it, you know, that oh, totally. we're not flashing back to the Supreme Court game or anything like that. That I have to say, <laughs> some people who have listened to the podcast have been cheerleading. Really? I mean, I'm not going to oh, go out. Uh, my heart. I'm not going to say that we have, like, a lot of fans or media attention. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but some of them that do exist have been very excited about the Supreme Court I apocalypse project. Well, then my work here is done. I think that it's a triumph. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say thank you to some very special people. Yes. Uh, I already mentioned them, but let's mention them again. The the Portland Institute <laughs> for Contemporary Arts. We have your mic stands. Body Box, we have some of your equipment. Oh, uh, I brought it up to the production manager there recently, and she had forgotten. And she's probably forgotten again. Uh, I also wanted, there was a funny thing that happened in episode three where I said, maybe we'll get a friend to do theme music. And then then since I said that, it wasn't the friend that I was thinking of. I met a new friend. The new friend listened to the podcast, made theme music, sent it to us, and then I integrated it into the last episode. And so it was literally this retroactive shout out to a person I didn't even know when I said it. Wow. So thanks, Gary. Yeah. Thank you, Gary. Yeah. You're great. Gary Grundy. You can find him online. I will put his website on the show notes. He is available for all musical needs. Oh, this Um, is so special. That's amazing. There's a a 3% chance that I'm not pronouncing his last name correctly. So I'm going to cop to that 3% chance and apologize. If I am not. Uh, Yeah, we should also thank the fine uh, whiskey that we are drinking. Oh, yes. This is is the Colonel E.H. Taylor small batch, first and only, bottled in bond, a straight Kentucky bourbon whiskey. Yeah, it's a... I'm not going to blame it for the computer problems that we had, but I do not think... That it is unrelated. Well, yeah. It, yeah. Colonel Taylor definitely had an effect. <laughs> no, literally, computer just died. Um, yeah. And so on that note, I hope the sound quality is not horribly affected by me hacking together a whole bunch of other stuff to use a different computer. Um, Paul Susie, any closing thoughts on this on this, re, this 
new chapter in this yeah. odyssey of no. the board retreat. I love that. Um, I mean, I'll be transparent <laughs> if it's not already transparently clear that uh, a lot of this is me rediscovering information <laughs> <laughs> that was already ascertained. Wait, really? Uh, and yet, but also, I think that that's really exciting. I love being... Um, I mean, my stock character in this entire dynamic is to be the guy who's constantly discovering the thing after the fact. And that's really fun. I find this really, really fun to uh, to, to to hit on this dynamic about about needing sleep, which I deeply relate to, about orphanage and feeling orphaned, uh, about nightmares, about about figuring out the mechanics of the thing. This is all really, really exciting. I'm, I'm really happy right now. I'm excited that we could go on another board retreat together. Yeah. Just to bring <laughs> that back around. Okay. I think that that's it. All right. Until next time, friends. Carry on. We will see you on the board retreat. Episode five. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>